Yo neighbors, welcome back to the Strange Neighborhood Podcast. I'm Kaylin Gettler, your host, and we have got a banger of an episode for you today. Random Randy on the podcast. You can find him on Instagram as Random Randy or Random Frax, F-R-A-C-T-S. And we just had like the best chat about the nature of reality, false history, the nature of the matrix. We went deep today, guys. Yeah, you're going to enjoy this episode. It was awesome. It's just going to really stretch the limits of your imagination. I hope you guys really enjoy listening to Randy today. I really enjoyed having him on the show, and I just want to thank him again for being here. This is a great episode and such interesting subject matter. Don't forget to go find him in the show notes where you can find him online. Um, without further ado, yeah, let's get into this episode, episode six. This is Ron Randy. He's a fellow truther and researcher. And actually, I'm not really sure what else, but I'll just let him introduce himself and <laughs> right tell on. us about what he's doing and what he's up right to. on. I, I so appreciate you having me on. Um, my name is Randy, Random Randy from Red Thread Podcast. Um, I'm relatively new uh, to the podcasting, I don't know, game. Um, been doing it about three, going on four months or so. So, um, it's pretty amazing just to meet folks like yourself and and everybody that I've met so far along the way has, has just been mind blowing. Like I got into this cause I was like, well, I, I really want to have these conversations. Um, yeah. So, so I'm Randy. Um, and uh, I got into this, uh, I guess we'll, we'll kind of start with some of the weird and wonderful things that have happened to me, um, Perfect. or, or more like for me, um, right now that I've learned to think about it a little bit. Um, but like the first thing was, um, when I, when I stopped using drugs and, and alcohol and things like this, I pretty much started meditating like as just an alternative for something to do where I wasn't doing self-destructive things. So that worked out for and still has you know up to this day which is which is amazing um but in in learning to sit and be calm and 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 kind of like will myself into a different state of mind I inadvertently picked up meditation as I guess you could say like a modality and um it wasn't until last year where some of the insights that I had meditating kind of were shown back to me by the world. So that was like a real mind blowing experience. And um, I'll just in a nutshell that one real quick. For sure. So have, have you ever listened to Joe Rogan's podcast? Uh, he'll have somebody like, for example, the particular person he had on was Bob Bigelow of Bigelow Aerospace, who's like really heavy into 
advanced research in spacecraft and he i think is the current owner of skinwalker ranch so so this guy's got his hands in every a lot of weird things right he owns and skinwalker ranch i he does or he did at one point oh yeah i'm not sure if he does anymore huh. but but yeah he owned you know the deed to that and so this is a, a real heavy hitter in the esoteric kind of game, as well as he's also very similar to like Howard Hughes, and he's got his hands in a lot of aerospace and engineering stuff also. So mm -hmm. he makes like habitats for, say, we were to land on the moon or on another planet. He makes uh, his company builds those habitats where, where we would basically live. Huh. Um, what that means for, you know, the flat earth people out there and stuff like that. We'll get into that in a little bit. But mm -hmm. so I was listening to Joe Rogan and and Bob Bigelow have a talk. And part of what he said was, well, there's a new theory coming about um, the way things are, you know, so it's it's going to flip the Big Bang Theory on its head. And at the time, I was like, OK, he must be talking about electric universe theory um and i do highly recommend anybody to look into this aspect of our realm um it's pretty interesting um basically that just states that you know the sun isn't a flaming ball of hydrogen thousands and thousands of miles away it's a plasma effect very locally right and we're part mm -hmm. of this whole electric circuit so i thought that's where he was going with it until um, he states that, well, Joe Rogan asked him, so can you paraphrase it for me? You know, can you put it in a nutshell? And he said, well, uh, reality is, is bubbles on bubbles on bubbles. So like that blew my mind because a couple years prior in a meditative state, I basically asked, you know, the universe or um, Akasha or whatever you want to call this consciousness mm -hmm. that exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. I asked, you know, what is the nature of this place? Like, where are we? And the visual that I got in my mind's eye was that of a soap bubble kind of like breaking in slow motion. You know how it like rolls back. If you ever see a bubble pop in slow motion, it has this weird kind mm -hmm. of webbed, webbed like way that it just kind of peels back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So like the matter as we know it in the universe is just this little layer, like this little soap bubble. Mm -hmm. And, and apparently, um, this other theory has been called the multiverse theory, um, and other things. So that blew my mind. And right then I was like, well, I know there's something to this, this meditating thing. So I started to take it a lot more seriously and, and started to really explore what was this state of mind that I went into when I received this insight. And, um, so I, I, again, I started taking meditation more seriously. Um, it's not like it's something that I have like a room set off to the side for. Some people have a very specific kind of crazy setup for their meditations and their sound healing. I'm looking to get more into sound healing because I think it's, it's a very a powerful thing. Um, singing bowls, bells, and things mm -hmm. like this. Um, so having that experience and my mind just blown like that, I mean, like I had to walk out of work and just laugh to myself for about 20 minutes because it was that, you know, that profound for me. Um, and it, in explaining it, it loses some of its kind of uh, 
magic. It loses kind of the, yeah, the magic yeah. is kind of hard to relate or translate to, to somebody else, but that's my best effort at it right there. It's so I did like... that. And, <laughs> and uh, since then I've heard very, very many different aspects and outlooks on this bubble thing. I've heard it called the bathtub theory um, and, uh, and the multiverse theory and so on. So whereas a few years ago, I would not have known anybody who paid any mind to this theory. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm finding that nearly every other time I bring it up with uh, a guest or with somebody that they also have a bubble story. Um, one of which was I was speaking with, um, uh, oh gosh, I, I'm drawing a blank on, on her name right now. Um, but shout out to a wandering witch podcast over there. Um, she, uh, <coughs> was explaining to me about a reading that she had done and how this bubble situation came, came to play, you know, came into play for this reading that she did for somebody, apparently somebody was having this recurring dream that they were a bubble and that their sons and daughters were other bubbles in this different type of universe. Since then, I've come to maybe realize that the bubbles themselves are, I don't know, spheres of time. Okay. So there may be something to this spherical thing going on around us right mm-hmm. <laughs> so there it, but it may be a different point of view than we're used to comprehending being outside of time um so that was the first thing that, that just blew my mind and kind of opened the door for me to take meditation more seriously and mindfulness and and to pay attention to to the um we'll call it like the quiet meek voice in my head you know we all have mm-hmm. this this daily struggle at least as far as I know, <laughs> we all have this daily struggle with this resistance that's within ourselves. You know, this, you can't do that, Randy, or, you know, um, that's just silly. What makes you think you could achieve that? Blah, blah, blah. Like we all kind of have this to some degree. Mm-hmm. So yeah. through meditation, I was able to kind of quiet that down a lot. And at first mm-hmm. it was mostly focusing on just quieting down that negative resistance Mm -hmm. and eventually it got to a point where that negative resistance is few and far between which is a blessing it's absolutely wonderful to be able to breathe without anxiety and things like this Mm -hmm. since I've done the the shadow work and you know talked about my past and done all this amazing like self-help work through my podcast and through reaching out to people um to where now like well very recently probably a month prior to my podcast starting, I was hanging out with a friend out in a field here in the middle of Iowa. And it was a beautiful starry night with no moon. And we're out there. And so I kind of set this this intention. And this is after I started taking meditation more seriously. Mm -hmm. I started looking into the consciousness aspect of like contactee visits or contact Mm -hmm. visits and you know, C SETI and C five. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have this experience for myself. I'm going to go out and, and communicate with these entities, right. In the sky and, and make this contact that I'm hearing so much about, you know, watching Gaia and listening to folks like, um, Stephen Greer, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so like I was like, I was like, you know, 
Yeah, that yeah. C SETI or C E5 yeah. experience yeah. thing. So I went out and I tried it, right? I'm like, mm -hmm. but I had this this like stone cold intention, like, dude, I'm gonna go out and do this. Like mm -hmm. I just I had to, I think that I had to know that mm -hmm. uh in engaging in it, uh, for it to actually be functional. To like but, set your intention. Right. Like knowing, like in my heart that I was going to have this experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it was just me out in the field, you know, that would be one thing. But th there was somebody with me who does not pay any credence or any mind to like meditation, mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit of spirituality, but definitely not like aliens and, and other things deep. like this. <laughs> Just a normal country girl, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that lives out in the middle of Iowa and, and has a farm. And so I was out there and, you know, uh, I play these tones, these frequencies on my phone. And there are some out there that are like, well, you know, if you're playing something on your phone, maybe you just called a satellite in and it's Project Bluebeam and, and blah, blah, blah. And while that may very well be, that wouldn't explain how I was able to point in any one direction or look in one direction and have a response from lights in the sky from that direction specifically. So that's kind of crazy. So, and you know, it wouldn't just be looking straight up. It could be like over off the horizon. I mean, like in any direction, it was reminiscent of like Babe Ruth, you know, pointing out where his home run is going to be hit. Um, so I had that experience this last summer and like the feeling that I got from, from this interaction. And I dare say that it is an interaction. Mm -hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure, like how that works. If it's, if it's, we are we are psychic and we are powerful in ways we don't understand. And we, we can project um, simple things, especially like lights in the sky. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's that, or if it's like most would suggest a contact experience with an outside consciousness. Um, but like through this experience, I just, I, I've lost all doubt in my mind uh, that well, I lost all doubt that I was onto something, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it kind of cemented in my life in a very real way, especially because there was somebody else with me in this field and saw this happen mm -hmm. and was just as mind blown as I was, um, if not more, because she's like, yeah, well, we're going to go look at the stars and see aliens. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we did. <laughs> we went out and saw lights in the sky and the way that these things move they weren't moving in straight lines they would blink on blink off um change colors i mean it was wild um yeah i've got to tell you two quick things because i have two like parallel stories so one i did awesome. a meditation where i asked about the nature of reality and what i was shown was like a geometric flower of life but in a toroidal pattern like recycling in on itself and like everything was connected in the geometry and then secondly mm -hmm. one night I was like standing on my back deck and I was like if I'm on the right path like asking the universe you need to show me something right now or I'm not gonna pursue this anymore because it was driving mm -hmm. me a bit crazy just like going down rabbit holes and, <laughs> right. and then this huge blue orb like shot across the sky and i like for a second, I thought that's not what I seen. And right when I thought that it like 
got super bright for a second right before it went out of sight. So wow. yeah, it's really crazy that you just told those two stories. I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, as far as the, the flower of life thing, um, I, I very much do feel that that we are alive within this bigger consciousness that is like the world as we know it and that it is ever unfolding and and that's where like the layers uh, kind of come from mm -hmm. and and i think that the bubble aspect essentially is just time um so you know it's uh it's a weird thing to think about like if you like were able to step outside of time. time do you mean and then we could be outside the bubble and then we're not in time is that like right like outside yeah. of the bubble is is you know timeless. what's known in lord of the rings as as the timeless halls right mm -hmm. so um or or you know some might also know it as as heaven but it's a timeless dimension. Uh, yeah you could call it like a fifth dimension um mm -hmm like we're in 3d so we're within that fourth dimension of time and if you were to go outside of that you would be in the 5d mm -hmm. and um that supposedly is where where entities and things like these pleiadians are coming from is outside and and within the fifth dimension um so i don't know if you've ever looked into like um references to star seeds and different things like this i find yeah. that incredibly interesting um especially just kind of based on on the fact that there are so many people that are sharing currently that they're receiving information from essentially an external source receiving mm -hmm. answers to a lot of these questions mm -hmm. and things like this um so that's that's very interesting but i i feel like like the bubble itself um is time and that like within each of these bubbles in this like multiverse in this plethora of universes like if you were to go into that bubble you would be subject to the time uh as it's transpiring within that right mm. so cool. so um but like seeing and and understanding like the the flower of life nature i think that's amazing because it it's only through kind of computing post uh, hallucinogenic experience mm -hmm. um, relatively recently, I would say, like in the last few years that that I've come to understand that the the nature of of reality outside of ourselves is very fractal so and fractal. kind of like kind of like ultimately just everlasting and ever present. Right. So that's why, like. In most religions or faiths like when you move on from this world you're in this timeless heaven right in this timeless place and it's like outside of a lot of 3d concepts like fear and um anger and all these very low vibrational i've come to look at them a little bit more like these are 3d very 3d things that we deal with in this realm but that's what makes it so special mm -hmm. is you're able to come in here and and it's like like a soul crucible you know it's an obstacle course for not just your mind and your body but your soul and um so i feel like personally i've done a lot of a lot of soul maturing in in this realm and that wasn't always the case it, it took until my mind was blown majorly by these couple of experiences that i've detailed here um that things really started to to roll along and ramp up like super crazy fast
So this was just a few months ago. I had this lights in the sky experience. And um, up till that point, I was researching mud flood, Tartaria, and um, Antiquatech. I mean, all kinds of, especially looking deeply into like the small towns in the Midwest, going all around this last summer, seeing all these city centers, looking at pictures of these towns in the early the turn of the 1900s, and, and seeing this kind of very strange cookie cutter nature where all of these towns popped up within the same maybe 10 to 20 years of each other. And I mean, some of these towns were, were built out like at the turn of the century, like mm -hmm. just, and, and, and at a certain point you start looking at the volume of masonry used is, is the big kind of confusing thing. And I was talking to old scary world about this and he's like, yeah, you mean like the, the brick paradox, like, if they got all of these bricks, where did they get the bricks to make the kilns to make the bricks, <laughs> you know, and things like this. So there are people out there that have dug into this and researched it hard enough to look at things like the quantities of bricks being produced in, in the world for a certain period of time. How did that amount of bricks go into star forts for one, all of these small towns all across the nation for two and the world right mm -hmm. so so uh, and this is all supposedly within this um like 1790 to 1860 mm -hmm. time frame but all of this stuff just sprang up with people and horse and buggies doing it all and then there are some places like the state houses in most states are very old worldy mm -hmm. with with domes especially here in des moines iowa um first time I saw that building, I was just, my mouth was agape. I was just like floored. It's a massive building with gold dome structures. Um, it still has these antennas that look like crosses at the very top of mm -hmm. these domes and these, this sphere, this gold sphere sitting in the top, which I think uh, personally at some point in the past, there was technology within this structure yeah. Um, and within all of these structures, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I'm starting to ask the question, all right, with all of these electrical type components built into all of this infrastructure, what was it, what is it that the gods are computing? You know, um, when we look at, at our microchips, they have very much a similar layout to the city plans of old world cities. Um, things like this so it's mm -hmm. like what what were they computing that they that they needed all of this circuitry circuitry right and and I think short answer uh, may very well be they're computing a reality um, you know we have there's stories in like all across the world of of things like black mirrors being a thing mm -hmm. in the past you know, scrying mirrors, maybe these weren't just reflective sheets of silver, right? Maybe mm -hmm. there was some technology like a cell phone back that we're not privy to the information for. So how would all of that work? How would that network and everything function? Um, I think that this was, for lack of a better like phrase, Atlantean technology mm -hmm. that was built into, into the land itself. And they were they were communicating through this 
But so they were compute, um, computing or communicating information. I think this is how the information was being transmitted all around the world. Like they weren't necessarily getting up and going over here to show these people how to do these amazing building things and um, to share technology. I think it was it was the original World Wide Web was built into all of these structures and things, right? Mm -hmm. And And instead of looking at, like aliens dropping technology for us look at it like the the older civilizations already had everything but they had it in a much more massive scale mm -hmm. right and this is why the the big push to kind of um denounce giants from ever having existed even though technically to this day we still have some sometimes mm -hmm. um so there's a lot to that and um but looking into the mud flood man you want to talk about a rabbit hole like it, it's mind-blowing just like what that could entail at first it was kind of scary to think and because my mind went to one place what did they do to make this mud flood happen mm -hmm. you know thinking that maybe it was purposefully caused by a group of people um i i still think that that may be the case but I think that there's a lot more to what exactly happened and um, people are just kind of starting to get onto it, possibly being, um, and, and this kind of leads into what, what maybe are the great lakes um, mm. as well as rivers and, and things and, and the Grand Canyon, especially the Marianas Trench um, in the middle of the Atlantic ocean. What are all these things? How did these things happen? If, uh, geology, we are the way it's explained to us is not accurate, which I don't think it is. I don't think mm -hmm. plate te tectonics is is exactly what's going on. I think that there's something major that happened, most likely an electrical event. Um, I don't know how that event transpired. Like if they were pulling so much energy from the sun that they perturbed it somehow and and short-circuited something and um i feel like this main source that would have been drawing this energy down would have been somewhere near where the grand canyon is today um this is where even larger temple and mining structures than were than we see in say egypt today like you have the pyramids mm -hmm. there i think there was something major absolutely monumentally massive right where the grand canyon is today okay mm -hmm. and um and that this was a focal point one of the focal points the other being where atlantis would have been in the atlantic ocean where we now have the marianas trench this massive gouge the scar in the earth mm -hmm. um that if you look at satellite imagery you see a very similar patterning to um say if you did wood burning with electricity yeah okay you see the same exact patterning. I forget exactly what the scientific name for it is, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, you see the same thing with rivers, with um, especially the Great Lakes and all around them. You see these little little pocket lakes. And we're told that the ice kind of, as it was moving, dragged things and gouged out the ground. Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, that makes sense. And it may very well could have happened. Um, but the thing that we're that we're not like 
taking into account is okay if if the big bang theory is garbage and and i'm you know we may have come from a a cosmic egg that exploded Mm. so you know many many epochs ago but i I don't think that we have it right with the time frames or or anything else like i I think it's closer to us having not us but this realm having existed infinitely like long loops of time but um all, all that aside so the great lakes the rivers especially places like the grand canyon just scream electrical discharge damage to me mm-hmm. um and uh so i think that that would that would make essentially that would make the sun a giant uh electrical laser beam right <laughs> so so perhaps the sun actually did this damage to some extent which is why like people are inherently frightened of solar flares and um you know i i also think that comets um while they are visible in the sky are a different effect from an electrical kind of nature oh yeah um i don't think it's a rock flying at us through space most of the time um and uh you know so so yeah electrical scarification is is what i think the grand canyon is the marianas trench which is right where atlantis used to be so if you have these power centers you know what i mean Mm -hmm. kind of existing um through throughout the world maybe there was even one in in egypt along the nile Mm -hmm. and um and maybe some of the the nile tributaries and things like this are electrical scars um because a lot of information kind of states that back in like as recently as the 1600s the water level was different around the world that most cities resembled something like venice italy and had channels throughout Mm -hmm. And, and i think that that's accurate because this this water in these cisterns under these buildings if these buildings were of a like of an electrical nature you would need that water to kind of keep the electricity in yeah um you know a lot of people think that oh you know electricity flows through water that is true to a certain extent but if you have a pure enough water and it's it's at the right and we'll call it vibration um then it would act as a container for this electricity so um it would allow these circuits to be effective. These with these world circuits. <laughs> so like, and, uh, um, sorry, can I just interrupt? No, you're good. Yeah. Um, so Michelle Gibson says that like um, all the rivers and stuff on the planet are were essentially canals to begin with, built by possibly possibly giants. But I can't remember what her conclusion is. But do you think that <clears throat> that was like the original circuit board, and then it like shorted out to make all this like scarification? sort of thing essentially yeah but i i do think like some rivers even to this day big rivers like the hudson river Mm -hmm. um, in new york looks especially kind of suspect especially when you see some of the embankments having very regular shapes like very Mm -hmm. angular right that that Mm -hmm. may not happen so much uh in nature right right and and that brings into play like these star forts or star cities Mm-hmm. that oftentimes we're straddling these massive, massive rivers. Um, 
yes, I do think that that most places in the past would have been been very similar to Venice, Italy, and had um, they may have had trains running in and out, like on carrying things over ground, mm-hmm. but a majority of traffic would have been on the water to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Um, and that would have been like most probably major, major cities. Like, you know, you see, you see Chicago today, it's right on the Great Lakes, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you see um, places along the Mississippi River Valley that uh, on one side, you'll have one town on the other side, you'll have another town of the river. Um, but in the past, maybe these were actually like one big city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even getting into like the steampunk era that I think happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively recently or any of that um, but there was definitely a civilization here that was wiped out by this I don't know if it's by this electrical event or by the the ensuing you know mud flood because if you vaporize all of this earth and you know what I mean and then it gets airborne mm-hmm. and then it rains well then you have mud flood <laughs> mm-hmm. you know so that that makes the most sense to me to look at it like that some people think that the pole shift happened and being that our our you know our universe is a circuit right mm-hmm. if a pole shift were to happen it would most likely discharge an electrical arc like we see suggested with you know everything i've just mentioned so mm-hmm. um I think that the Dust Bowl is a big kind of cover up for something else that was going on. Uh, like, um, like all of these dust storms came because that was newly, newly fallen earth from the sky, right? Like, so, yeah. um, so there was no plants to have grown over a lot of this yet. Although there's some evidence to suggest that there are really old trees and things mm-hmm. growing in a lot of America that we're growing on top of even an even more previous civilization's ruins. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that ultimately we're, we're just stacked on layers of, of old and older and older still civilizations that have been here before. And um, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Sure. So, and I think that that's what our, I mean, and that's what everything is, our mountains, our valleys, um, you know, the entire Central California Valley uh, at one point was a waterway mm-hmm. because California was essentially an island, right? Um, there's maps to attest to this. Um, there's legends, you know, uh, legends of like Queen Califia and the Amazon women of this island of California. Mm-hmm. So so that's pretty amazing. In itself. Yeah. And when California was an island, the Great Lakes weren't there. So did they... And there's no suggestion to like cover a city or there's no suggestion that the Grand Canyon was there either uh, previous to Lewis and Clark's expedition. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I, and there's even pictures that I've found, but have had a hard time finding again where it almost looks like this this picture of Chicago Mm -hmm. looks like at least where the lake now meets the shoreline right at Chicago. Mm -hmm there was no lake there. There was no water there. So what happened? Like, you know, what is this photo about? And it, it's, it's hard, you know, if it's just one or two photos, like I only right. ever found one that had it from this angle. And oddly enough, it, it's like an angle that's up high 
like out over where the lake would be now looking back at Chicago how hmm. are you going to do that when there's no aircraft and things like, as far as mainstream tells us you know there's no no aircraft until the Wright brothers and what was it 1906 or something right but this this uh image is coming from a, a, a vantage point that's up high you know <laughs> so like all of the cover-up for for balloons and zeppelins and zeppelins essentially i think it's just a cover-up of steampunk mm-hmm. basically yeah right um i think that we as humans are are avid tinkerers right um mm-hmm. and and that we had as well as the giant species that were here before had their technologies right and um I don't know what the exact like control system or any of this was. Some suggest that it was a pure slave state where humans were nothing but slaves or mm-hmm. serfs to these these lords, right, or these barons or whatever. Uh, and they always had these titles, and and that's because at one point they actually were giant, mm-hmm. you know. So we were as a species probably afraid of these giant beings. Mm-hmm. Um, until we got to a point where we could short out their entire system, if that's what happened, and um, you know, cause the the ensuing kind of chaos. Uh, whether that was us that created this kind of electrical event or not, I, I I'm not 100. Um, percent It could very well have been some type of an act of God, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, if you will, um, or of gods or or what have you. Um, so it's kind of hard to say exactly what happened to make this to make this like transpire and and put all this dirt into the air and then rain it back down and and carve out things like the Great Lakes or like the um, the canyons both and and see their canyons also Bryce Canyon in Utah that's less talked about but is a very similar nature to that of. Um, of the Grand Canyon. So I think that those are both most likely electrical scars caused from some kind of an arcing of, of energy off of these very energetic points um, that may very well have had structures that were kind of built into the land and, mm-hmm. and something happened here to cause this. Um, and, and I don't think that I don't think that the fires that we're told about in all the cities around the world in the early 1900s and mid to late 1800s, I don't think that those have anything to do with this initial electrical arcing reaction. I think that those were purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. For sure. To to see like the world burn. Right. So like I've been digging through all these old newspapers for like researching for another episode, but um, I found some articles about like the fires in San Francisco and there was like earthquake, huge earthquake and then fires after and the fire that I read about killed like 1200 people and they had they said there was no way for them to get out and it was like 10 city blocks like how could they not get out how could these people like they obviously blocked the exits and then. I think, and then burned it up. And they yeah, did- the the remnants of of these civilizations that were there that yeah. that didn't want to go along with the storyline. So so they caused these great destructions. These, um, I forget the word for it. Um, conflagration mm-hmm. uh, is it's mentioned as that a lot. You know, um, there these are happening all around the world at the same 
in the same time period, mm-hmm. you have you have this Navy, the America, the U.S. Navy, right? The Freedom Fleet, the Freedom Voyage, mm-hmm. right? Going all around the world, visiting all of these ports through all these places, and right around the time they're there, there's this massive earthquakes, destructions. So I don't know if it was just bombardment like from from cannons and things like this there's a lot of tales of explosions also happening in the same periods in the same time time frame in the same places as these mm-hmm. fires um in fact uh somebody that gets into that real deep a, a couple of people is um is matt over at great deception podcast i got a shout out to him because like his work is is amazing he does a a series on on the world's fairs um and quite a few other things um where he's got all the visuals there and everything so i highly recommend that i've been recently listening to him and that's actually where i found you (laughs) on his podcast right yeah i like him as well yeah he's on point man he's killing it out there and um so so yeah i think that that's that's the story of the great lakes and the midwest mud flood um and so how that ties into like the white city in chicago Mm-hmm. is is just that that they they went out and they dug it out you know they i mean it's obvious to me and to most people looking at these pictures that there's not so much a new construction going on mm-hmm. um that these things were there i mean this the city was completely built out prior to these fires mm-hmm. you know um and oddly enough, most of these buildings were like brick and steel buildings, right? Mm-hmm. And we're told maybe that, sorry, maybe you could just explain to everyone what the White City is in case they don't know. Oh yeah, so we have these these grand expositions um, in the late eighteen hundred, uh, mid, uh, the later half of the eighteen hundreds, yeah. um, the early nineteen hundreds, and these are all around the world showcasing technology and and massive architecture. Um, so the white city was in Chicago. It was actually in like a, an offshoot kind of area, a rural area that was technically on government property. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so this would explain, all right, how did nobody know that these structures were there and what prior to this exposition, right? Because it was on federal land. It mm-hmm. was, it was protected land. You couldn't just go there. Um, not that to mention. So much sense. Yes, and and this is uh, what most of these these expositions would have been in government held territory, even in Paris, France, mm-hmm. right? That that entire city, for a long time, I, I think was was under siege or or in a a very real war um, mm-hmm. a, until very recently. I, I, man, I'm so compelled to to feel that all of the wars that we are you know, that are explained to us, mm-hmm. whether it be World War II, Korea, um, Vietnam. I mean, all of these wars were simply the destruction and demise of the past civilization, right? So this was the culmination of this reset was all of these wars. I think so you're if, right. And if I you think have they this want destruction, to like collect, sorry, I don't think they want to like collect also the like loot from. Yeah, yeah, the precious metals, the, the building materials, the aggregates that we mm-hmm. use to pave our roads to have to to create concrete. Now these all came from somewhere, and. A lot of people will say, oh, it's just mined limestone, right? 
Well, if you're going around the world and destroying structures that are built out of the materials you need in order to um, replenish and, you know, renew architecture on your own, you're going to go take them, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The Native Americans have stories of of these grand cities being there, of Mm -hmm. places like Chicago. They considered them sacred or haunted, but I'm of the opinion that it may have been that there were giants presiding over these areas, so they just didn't go there. Um, mm-hmm. that some survived whatever this cataclysm was. And um, there's kind of nods to that in the, in the photos of, of that era of giants being a very relevant part of, of the, the society and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, as early as like, or as recently as like the early 1900s even. So, yep. so it's like, okay, why the big cover up for giants by the Smithsonian and so on? Um, one of the things that led me down the crazy Smithsonian rabbit hole was looking at this book, Contributions to Knowledge by the Smithsonian Institute. And in the very preface of the book, it states that the purpose of the Smithsonian is to, quote unquote, acquire and disseminate information um, in order to institute an understanding. Right. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what they've done with, yeah. with dinosaur, with everything. Personally, I, I think say, dinosaurs are dragons, but yeah, um, I always say Smithsonian's here to curate the narrative. That's yeah, like their explicit purpose. I think destroy 100%. things that don't fit and, it, and like acquire and provide things that do. Exactly, exactly, and that's why the big cover up of giant skeletons and things like this. I mean, if you go to Peru, you can go look at giant skeletons, mm-hmm. but you can't in the U.S. No. Um, and that's because this, the U.S. as we know it today. Um, is on the back of an of an older United States that actually spanned most of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there are maps that suggest, uh, and again, you know, everything that we're given as information, we kind of have to take with a grain of salt, whether it be a spiritual teaching or an academic one, mm-hmm. um, because we're we're provided this very specific narrative, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we're also provided the means to gain this other insight and kind of, you know, if we're of the mind to do it, create our own understanding. And most people, most people just don't care. I mean, it's, it's very easy to get up in the morning and accept what you're handed and carry on. And I've, I did that for a lot of my life, but in, uh, you know, through those experiences that I had, but also through realizing that, everything I'd been told about the earth um, being a sphere and the way the sun sets and so on. And, you know, in, in acquiring the technology to be able to zoom in over and over again and see places further and further away that shouldn't be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was like a game changer for me. Um, but okay. Going back to, to Chicago and the grand expositions, mm-hmm. these were showcases of technology and basically like a last hurrah to to show the people this old world infrastructure but to claim it as their own Mm -hmm. so if you um and if you look at like the numbers of people that visited these expositions it's like first of all how did so many people have the means Mm -hmm. and and the the like the money to be able to travel like they were um spreading out across the u.s and everything at this time and um, 
so these expositions were a big showcase. This is before what we have today is the internet and mass media. So this was their mass marketing. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, we did this. This is us. We built these, this great white city in something like two or three years, I think is the mm-hmm. narrative. And I mean, these buildings are massive and just one of these buildings alone would have maybe taken at least five to 10 years to complete, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just based on our size as humans, the technology that we supposedly had at the time and so on. So the Great White City was this, for lack of a better term, this giant amusement park of of old world infrastructure, Um, something like 200 or 300 different buildings in, um, I forget the acreage, but in a massive, massive area mm-hmm. outside of Chicago. And it was all this, this white marble or, or like white sandstone mm-hmm. architecture, um, very similar to what you see when you see like the White House is, is an okay example, but the, um, the Congress building in Washington, D.C., the Capitol building, mm-hmm. as well as all of your state buildings throughout the United States and even places abroad. Um, So this great white city was this exposition site in Chicago. And um, there were very similar uh, great white cities in all of these expositions that they had, whether it be um, Buenos Aires or Mm -hmm. whether it be um, San Francisco, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, I mean, everywhere. there's even some suggestion that more recent expositions, like in Queens, New York, um, which was held on a weird piece of government land that opened up into an exposition um, after the turn of the 19th century. Mm-hmm. So, so that's interesting. But mm-hmm. these were, uh, there's a reason that they're called Freemasons um, and not the original Masons. They, they are suggesting to us that this Masonry was free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they, they just they swooped in and inherited it. And a lot of these pictures from this time period, the people will have oftentimes one hidden hand. And this also applies to the giants in a lot of these photos will have their one hand tucked, tucked in their coat. Hmm. And so that's what leads me to believe that. All right. The giants still exist period, like in this period, hmm. like today, they still exist. And have just kind of put themselves into a a state of uh, like retreat, not retreat, but they have ducked out and just said, okay, let's see what happens with these little people. Let's just let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. Um, What the reasons are for that, um, you know, are are up for debate, Uh, whether it's something like a genetics issue, like is suggested through the alien topic, like, oh, they're their genetics were failing and they needed diversity. So they populated everything with this uh, relatively new creation man, right? That was smaller in, in stature and possibly smaller in, uh, in abilities also like soul gifts. Um, you know, like we're, we are copies of a greater whole. So we lose um, some of our, our abilities um, both in thought and, and in magic, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so there's, there's maybe something to that. Um, but okay. So, so those expositions were meant to show, 
showcase you know the greatness of man right Mm -hmm. when really i feel like they were showcasing showcasing a greatness from something that's beyond what we're allowed to comprehend they're really worth looking into if anyone hasn't because they look like they look like fairy tales like beautiful Mm -hmm. greco-roman architecture man-made lakes gondolas like you would never think it was in north america but they were all over and and they were all electrified you know this is too and everywhere these places were lit up like like starshine in the night i mean they, it's it's just beautiful and it's 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 a weird eerie kind of reminiscent feeling that i get when i see this architecture um and i don't know if it's like a genetic memory kind of like in assassin's creed where where we've got these memories locked within our genetic structure and um it's you know like that's a, what it is it's like a piece of our collective history and i think like we are kind of spiritually recognizing it as like a spark of a part of us. And it's like, it's, so it's drawing us in. Cause it's like such, when you learn about this stuff, you just get like sucked right into it. You can't stop thinking about it. And like, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think that that's like kind of the danger of it, which is why it was yeah. being hidden and covered up is, um, you know, uh, we have tales in, in just about every country of giants, um, of fairies, of, other things that are not explained to us through science and through mainstream thought like right now um so so then like tying into the the north american pyramids um i think that there's a very real reason why there's so much state forest land um federal land that has been turned into state parks um or you know national parks and things um i think these are just areas that they did not completely demolish um, and have growth over them uh, a lot of dig there I guess exactly exactly they don't seem to want us to dig anywhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know and, and I think there's a real reason for that um, because I, I feel that literally right beneath us no matter where you go I mean I think so yeah uh, under all of us um, and Michelle Gibson does incredible work anybody out there go check out um, her work at piercing the veil of illusion yeah com or net but go check that out um because there's ties into everything i mean why golf courses are are on some of these protected lands and um in north america a lot of golf courses are right alongside these aggregate factories you know these places mm-hmm. that create the aggregate for our concrete um they're oftentimes like right next to each other and um so so they're they're actively exploiting these quote-unquote natural resources mm-hmm. for our current development um so there that's a huge rabbit hole in itself the golf courses thing um how that ties into star forts and past civilization so definitely i think, I think she said something about there being like also mounds under mm-hmm. golf courses with like uh, um ancient relics in them i guess mounds right with relics and things and they're just they're giant buried skeletons and, right yes exactly and i haven't been to ohio yet to see the serpent mound and things like this mm-hmm. um i can't wait to to get an opportunity to go check that out but i have noticed just around me like there'll be a turnoff off of the state highway to go to this this state forest and right where the state forest starts you see a different growth of trees an Mm -hmm. older growth of trees that aren't just the regular oak and and maple and kind of 
um, I forget the, the name of the type of tree, but there, there are more evergreens and things mm -hmm. uh, on top of these state forests and, and in these, these crazy weird areas. And after going to these state forests or along the banks of rivers here in Iowa and seeing very regular stonework, like, like very angular, Mm -hmm. so, so a lot of 90 degree angles, a mm -hmm. lot of straight lines. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of dismissed through geog like geography or, uh, yeah, geology as, as being just like exposed bedrock and things like this. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't think that's the whole truth. I think it might be some of the truth and that, that some of this bedrock is actually the foundations of these other civilizations so uh going into into like the railroads yeah something we want to get into the railroad yes yes and um michelle gibson suggests uh quite ardently that these railways were most likely already here i think that that was the case mm -hmm. for a lot of them yeah and if not the railways themselves the foundations for the ones that we put down because mm -hmm. you have to have uh what's called ballast in order to carry massive amounts of freight mm -hmm. over land without your railway sinking. And I was looking at David Hatcher Childress's work um, on Vimanas. Uh, it's his book on Vimanas. And he's talking about uh, Mohenjo-Daro and the outlying area. Okay. Um, and he, he states, uh, in 1856, two brothers, John and William Brunton, were British engineers in charge of laying the East Indian Railway Company line scheduled to connect the cities of Karachi and Lahore. This section of the train ran through a very desolate desert area of the Indus, uh, the Indus River Valley, the Tar Desert. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, the Tar Desert uh, ties in a little bit with Tartaria and, and so on. Um, and during these surveys, uh, covered in sand and dust, uh, were discovered places where they could they could get ballast for their rail tracks so they needed ballast for the railway track building it above the surrounding desert plain and putting down wooden railroad ties and then track and except for a lot of sand from the desert around them there wasn't much to work with however the well-fired bricks of the ancient cities around them would work as ballast for many miles of track that needed to be laid um, these brothers were told of an ancient ruined city near the lines called Brahminabad and after visiting the city, they were convinced that there was a grand quarry for the ballast they wanted. So this is in India and mm -hmm. um, how this uh, the city was taken apart brick by brick and is now beneath the railway lines of Pakistan to this day. Mm. I think that this was the case everywhere. Um, uh, I mean, it goes on to to say that. An, an, near another ruined city, bricks had already been used by villagers in the nearby village uh, in the same way. So this is this is not only in India, but I, I do feel that this is the case around the world. Um, so they, you know, they, whether it was through old maps or what, they, they discovered these buried structures and they just built on top of them. They used them as a, a means to keep, you know, their, their, their newer railways from sinking into the sand. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at old pictures of, of uh, what I've come to call the old world, um, 
with its very Greco-Roman architecture and very Gothic architecture a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you're like, okay, well, this stuff was built on its own foundation, um, just like everything that we build today is is on a foundation of of some type. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like through most of the world, you don't have to dig down too far to get to what we call bedrock. So maybe this is a worldwide uh, mud flood uh, of a sort that happened. And it would make sense, again, with, with the decimation of Atlantis in the Atlantic and the gouging out of places like the Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon, that that would produce enough dirt, you know, in the atmosphere or, or, or whatever to rain back down and, and create this layer of, you know, 30 or 40 meters of softer dirt, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they'd have to find ways to work around. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that a lot of what we know as like the highways in America, this inter, interstate highway situation, um, I think that this was basically, they used these old railways as ballast for these new roads for us all to drive on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what was going on there. And um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy to think that even in places like, like India, they had this, the solution to this problem was right there underneath everything all along. I think that that was the case everywhere. So, um, so the railways, um, I, I also think that when you see pictures, a lot of references to like, um, trains um uh what do you call them uh engines like exploding there being massive train wrecks and accidents i think that they were just kind of having fun with what was left over mm-hmm. and, and and kind of really showing it just as much disrespect as possible by crashing them into each other and blowing them up and all this crazy stuff we see going on with trains in the turn of the century mm-hmm. um so so like they were playing with with things that weren't theirs and um so that's that's wild but um yeah the 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 railway the infrastructure i think is much older than we are told for sure and um it's most likely underneath what we've come to use as our current uh roadways yeah and like well i live up in canada and in i think that this happened in america too but canadian rails like um say that they, during the Great Depression, they built all these like um, Fairmont hotels, which are just like massive castles, right? Like, to, like old world architecture through and through, massive, and like they're all across Canada and connected by the railway, and they're all across uh, America too, like the Fairmont hotels. So yes, um, and they're they're all owned by places or people like like the Hiltons or yeah. you know these these other uh, inheritors, right? Um, yeah. Um, yeah and and they're they're everywhere like you're saying um i think a lot of them are buried like completely buried and and we've Mm -hmm. just you know built on top of them Mm -hmm. but there are some like hearst castle in california just a a crazy incredible structure the interior um is very uh we'll call it like moorish um oh yeah yeah. with with a lot of a lot of lapis lazuli a lot of you know blue stonework um a lot of ceramic um you know uh, and supposedly like this ceramic and this this marble and all of these things was admittedly imported mm-hmm. um 
but I don't know that it was imported from like abroad, like they say. I think that it was, it was kind of, you know, they collected a lot of this old world infrastructure, this, these building products, and they kind of reclaimed some of these old castles and rebuilt them mm-hmm. back up, mm-hmm. um, which is why you won't find any, what I call legitimate reference or pictures to these things being built. Um, pretty much the closest you'll get is it'll be halfway built and it'll have like um it'll have like uh gosh what do you call it scaffolding or scaffolding yeah. yes yes it'll have yeah. scaffolding built up around it and they're like oh it looks this is so what it was fake being built. Eh? do you think it looks well, fake it, it, it looks like it was half destroyed not half built mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. especially with like the state house in iowa it, the domes old. were gone um it looked burnt you know the mm-hmm the um which is why i think we get a lot of just black and white because it's harder to see the difference in color and there'll be like a discoloration on the bottom part where they dug it always where it looks super old and gross (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and and um seattle uh seattle washington is is really big on that and they have tours and things out there where you can go um tour the underground right and you can tour a part of the city where you can see the lair beneath the city. Um, I don't have the picture handy. All these uh, cities have that. Even all over Northern Canada, everything, the big cities, they all have a city below the city. Yes, yes, 100%. And and I, I do feel that that's a remnant. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with what we've come to know as like deep underground military bases mm-hmm. and things like this. Um, there's suggestion from people that these massive underground caverns, some of them were ancient, very ancient. Mm-hmm. And, and the newer ones connect into these older ones. Mm-hmm. So again, I think we're layers upon layers of past civilizations and mm-hmm. existences, some of which may still very well be in existence right beneath us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just not basically not supposed to know about it. And so that kind of ties into uh, Agartha and like what the underworld is mm-hmm. a lot of what what we have referenced as the underworld is called Tartarus um mm. so that's very interesting that it that it ties to the name Tartaria um which kind of makes me wonder okay did these Tartarians at some point come up from underground and establish themselves above ground mm-hmm. is is this why we see the complexion uh, or the skin color of humans differing between what we know as indigenous peoples who are very dark skinned as if they'd been in the sun a significant amount of time longer, like ages, you know, mm-hmm. uh, longer than than these people that were in the tropical eras uh, areas mm-hmm. and, and had darker skin. And um, kind of an interesting reference to that is the box saga. And uh, so I recommend looking into that. Um, Dan Anaki Dan has a, a show called Roots of Creation where he discusses some of that. And um, but it's it's also on YouTube. A man by the name of Jim Chesner narrates some of this box saga story. And it's it's and like a Norse, not mythology, but origin story. Mm-hmm. And, and it I've speaks of a time. Of it. it speaks of a time when when people uh, or the, these northern people, these these white people are. Mm-hmm trapped underground because everything above ground is ice right mm-hmm. so they're they're trapped underground for an extended period of time and in that time underground they're developing technologies they're 
they're carrying on and doing what humans do and creating. Um, but then at some point they were able to come up out of, of the underground, mm -hmm. whether this was up like out of Tartarus or whether this was up out of say like the portal to Agartha, which may be in the North pole, mm -hmm. um, you know, remains yet to be seen. Um, but like when it comes to Agartha uh, and, and this, this portal entrance supposedly at the North pole, I think there's a very valid reason why our compasses point North and um, I've got a couple of kind of theories on what that might be. The first one, and it's probably kind of like the crazier one, is that that this is just like the, the magnetic north because this is where the energy flows in at the pole and it comes back out, you know, um, down below at some to some extent. But mm -hmm. so uh, the one way I look at it that's kind of helpful is to think of of our existence in, in terms of vibration and of frequency and to, to think that, all right, we live in a certain octave of existence. Um, if you're into music, you know, you're familiar with different octaves and different keys of, of tones and, and of, of music. So we exist in this, this layer of, of density and of vibration and within the earth, um, which may be accessed possibly through like the North Pole vortex, um, which is why all of our compasses point towards that vortex because that's the influx uh, area. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so there's some kind of a bridge uh, or a tunnel or, or portal. A, a portal, right? That, that would um, very much kind of like a black hole, supposedly with the mm -hmm. singularity of a black hole that, if you were to fall into one, um, you know, you might be spit out somewhere else. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think that it's kind of like that. Um, it's really unfortunate that that we are kind of kept this information is kept from us. But I think it's just to keep us here and to kind of keep us uh, creating for this control system. Mm -hmm. So so that's why the the whole, you know, globe lie and all this stuff i'm pretty comfortable in saying that 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 nasa and everything they stand for is is bs <laughs> so you know i'm pretty comfortable with that but i do see the purpose that that the story of space and exploration um i see the purpose that it has in order to keep us kind of creating for this control system so that mm -hmm. makes sense to me um but agartha yeah i think that that's through this this portal um, I'm not like spot on about whether Agartha and Tart and Tartarus are two different things. Mm -hmm. I think that they are, but I'm not a hundred percent on really on anything to, to be honest with you. Every day is like, what if like, uh, Tartarus is here, but what if we are in Agartha already? And <laughs> maybe that's why they cut down all those massive trees and got rid of the giants. Cause they could tell us there was a roof to it. <laughs> right. For sure. Um, what's, what's really crazy is in the Apocrypha, which is basically the deleted scenes from, from the, the canon of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a reference to prior to the flood. Um, basically, uh, God told the angels to cut down these, these massive trees so that people or, you know, these creatures that were on the world at that point wouldn't be able to hide from this flood 
So mm. there's a, a mention that it was it was uh, purposefully done um, for that reason to to wow. basically not allow safe harbor for certain entities that may have been here wow. uh, prior to that. So I, I find that very very interesting. And it just tells me a lot of why these things are kept out of common knowledge and out of the canon of the Bible, because it, it suggests more beyond us, you know, um, not just spiritually, but, but physically. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you've got everybody believing that you're on a, a spinning space ball and there's nowhere else to go, they're just going to at some point stop exploring. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we have seen that, that along with the control, the tight, controls that are on exploration both to the north pole and to the south mm-hmm. um and if you know if you're familiar with magnetics just because you have a north doesn't necessarily mean that that the south even south pole even exists mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know because yeah. because it would just point north um yeah so, yeah. <laughs> yes and and apparently like when you well, from what some have said, when you go south, the, the compass doesn't just like spin when you get to the South Pole. It, it still is pointing north. So, so that doesn't make <laughs> as much sense to me as, as it might to some people. But um, so that's crazy. And, and then like looking at Admiral Byrd um, and, and this, these expeditions, these polar expeditions, there's not a whole lot of discussion about his North Pole exp- expedition, um, which happened prior to him going to the South, quote unquote, pole, mm-hmm. um, which I find interesting. There's a lot of reference to the Antarctic exp- expedition. Yeah. Um, but what we're told of the North Pole um, has to do with like these other lesser expeditions that happened in this era of like wooden ships and and things like this, um, where they were crushed in the ice and stuck there and only a few people made it back. So there's a lot of like horror stories mm-hmm. about going to these, these places. And like, if you look at old maps, the, around the North Pole, there's, there's this vortex in the middle. And then there's these four lands on the outside of it. And there's four rivers Mm-hmm. kind of coming out of the center mm-hmm. and and flowing out in the cardinal cardinal directions out into the world um so that's again there's like a suggestion of this vortex at the north pole um but then like on old maps of of the flat earth there is no south pole there there is um <laughs> there is just this outer ring right mm-hmm. or this like ice wall or this this kind of barrier um and I think that this ice barrier, they're, they're trying to keep this ice frozen, which is why the, all of the blocking out of the sun through, um, you know, chemtrails. And, and I don't care at this point what anybody says about chemtrails being a lie. I mean, they tell us mm-hmm. all of this stuff. It's all out there in black and white. And what people consider facts, you can find information about this manipulation of of energy in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just a part of it. Just the manipulation of energy is one thing, but they're also trying to keep certain areas frozen because Mm -hmm. there's, there's maybe not so much. Yeah. There's maybe not so much of a mud issue, uh, down in those frozen areas, I would imagine. Um, and then Admiral Byrd going down (laughs) there and then like they get chased off by these Nazi, or um or alien uh technologies right like Mm -hmm. they get 
they get pretty much their asses handed to them. <laughs> Didn't they have like a dog fight with like uh, crafts that came out of a lake or something, right? Or was that right? Right, or or maybe it came out of one of these giant tunnels uh, oh, yeah, or these yeah. vortexes. But yeah, they had this encounter with um, with these these um, ships for for lack of these craft. There we mm -hmm. go. Um, mm -hmm. That were of a superior technology and were like blindingly fast like can go pole to pole in in a few minutes um so i mean we're talking so far beyond the speeds that we're like comfortable with understanding mm -hmm. um but like there's there's so much propaganda information uh, like surrounding admiral bird that it's really hard to say all right mm -hmm. what do we take from from this information what do we mm -hmm. what can we glean from this without and this is the hard part like without completely buying into mm -hmm. the story that we're told mm -hmm. um because i think it's part of like the human condition to want to feel comfortable in knowing mm -hmm. you know like like i want to feel good about knowing my place in the universe mm -hmm. um so they've done an okay job of kind of creating this narrative um with admiral bird included um where he comes out and says on live television that there's a land larger than the size of the United States beyond, and he says it like this, beyond the South Pole. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, okay, how do you go beyond mm -hmm. this this supposed pole, right? Well, wouldn't you then be going right back? back. Yeah. Right, yeah. So so that itself doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just kind of disregard that. But um, I think through their their um their like process of willful ignorance, like they, they feed us the information that is real hidden within like falsities, hidden within mm -hmm. fallacy. Mm -hmm. And I think this Admiral Byrd situation is one of those. Um, I'm starting to lean more towards just about everything that we're told Yeah, <laughs> is, is kind of uh, has its roots in, in personal, excuse me, in persuading. Mm -hmm the masses of a certain reality um yeah i think we can always be suspect when we find a mysterious diary later like i <laughs> <laughs> i think there's yeah. other cases in history where that is like you know turned out to be a psyop yeah absolutely and and i'm pretty comfortable uh in the in the understanding that that everything that we're handed um has has a root purpose to control to some extent um yeah and it's like only Bird, through he's tied to all the pl main players like he's tied to the cia and like the u.s military and yeah all the major players so i was always a little suspicious absolutely and and you know his his expedition was post paperclip you know like mm -hmm. they had already brought all of these great minds um from the east you know from mm -hmm. from germany from from nazi occupied france from from all of these places they'd already brought them all over and made them a part of this massive think tank that mm -hmm. turns into the cia and um, disney that, and, and, and disney and 100 <laughs> everything yes and yeah. um you know a lot of people look at like disney nasa as like evil satanic things mm -hmm. but if you look at it like this like okay 666 is yes it's the mark of the beast but it's also the the chemical makeup of the carbon atom mm -hmm. so you have you know six of each part of that atom and it creates what we know as material existence mm -hmm. so um 
instead of for me instead of looking at it like okay there's a red devil guy in a suit that that is dictating all this i (laughs) think it's just the the material essence of this realm um which is what interesting like materialism correct yes Um, instead of spiritualism right and that's Mm -hmm. why the big push to to snuff out you know spirituality and that's why the materialism right and that's Mm -hmm. why the big big push to make you feel like you're on a space rock flying through space at you know so many thousands of millions of miles an hour and in all directions and yet the north star stays right dead center Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um so that that alone you know screams nonsense to me so um and they they do these weird computer projections where they're like yeah if you go back for far enough there was a different star at the north pole um (laughs) so they show us these computer animations of, Mm -hmm. of things like this um as a way to this back the up the North store. Star. Like, yeah, yeah right. this will this will be the North Star in ten thousand years. You know, <laughs> yeah. nobody will be around to see it, but just take our word for it. You know, mm-hmm. like like that's what it's going to be. So so yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was pretty kind of black pilled about everything. Like, mm-hmm. well, what can I do? I'm never going to know um, anything, and that's true. I'll, I'll never know a hundred percent about anything in this realm. But um, then I realized, well, just be open minded and if you see something, some information or a story, um, especially fictions, um, things like Stephen King's work talking about this veil between realities. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he goes off on a lot of tangents about vampires and psychic nature of people Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff in his books. Um, but then also things like Lord of the Rings, where you have this, this reference to creation and the Cimmerillion, Mm-hmm. Um, which which kind of coincides with creation as we see it in spiritual teachings all around the world. So that's interesting. Um, but like one thing I've been looking at really kind of ardently lately is the the talk about different peoples um, in in your fictional stories, whether it's anime, right? You have a lot mm-hmm. of fantasy realms in anime and things mm-hmm. like this. And all of these fantasy realms have this old world infrastructure in them Mm -hmm. um and oftentimes we'll have a steampunk nature to this this previous existence Mm -hmm. and uh the crazy thing about animes is there's always this group of people in bowler hats very very reminiscent (laughs) of these inheritors that we see Mm -hmm. in these photos of early um uh all the world's fairs right right wearing the black suits and the women all have the same dress and they have those hats (laughs) yes these bowler hat people Mm -hmm. right um and they're always the enemies in this in this anime kind of fantasy land right they're always the group that is coming into power during the time of this um this last great transition so there's a lot of there's a lot of what i feel are memories embedded within these stories that we're told Mm -hmm. um so and maybe like in it. our collective memory and then we create with the collective memory of it. Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's pretty spot on what's going on. And, you know, especially after having experiences myself through meditation mm-hmm. and, and gaining what I feel is insight, I could see how inspiration can, can kind of be a product of these genetic or, or like family line memories Mm-hmm. that that we have and that some inspiration is indeed brought into us from from this outer kind of consciousness that the world is 
Um, and so, so that's mind blowing in itself. That's like a whole, a whole nother episode there. But, um, so that's, that's pretty much what I think about like the polls situation. Mm -hmm. Um, so like looking into, uh, all right. So looking into simulation, right? Like mm -hmm. what the nature of our reality is. Yeah. I've been, I've been kind of, I've been at one. odds with, with the, the term simulation for a long time. Me too. Um, because <laughs> it just like, it has like this way of making you think of like ones and zeros, the matrix or like, you know, that type of idea. Like right. A very, it has AI a very 2D, yeah, a very flat 2D kind of connotation mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, while I, I think that the language simulation is probably as as close to us being able to explain it properly as we can get at this mm -hmm. point. Um, but just like if we have a simulation in our computers, it's a 2D simulation mm -hmm. because we are in the 3D realm creating this next octave within mm -hmm. uh, of, of existence in within our computers, AI, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of of the mind that that the 2D computer realm is information that was given to people to some extent to allow us to create this other realm, this other home mm -hmm. for certain energetic entities. And um, that's like where you get the term ghost in the machine, mm -hmm. um, kind of things like this. So so simulation is is like an okay way to look at it, but then like remembering, okay, we're in the 3D and we're creating a 2D, right? So imagine mm -hmm. if we were entities in a higher dimension outside of time and we were creating a simulation. I feel like it would ve very much resemble or be like this reality that we are in. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a different layer of a simulation, a different bubble, you know, a different type. Mm -hmm of simulation this is this is the uh <laughs> maybe we live in the computer of the gods right mm -hmm. you know right. um but it's so far beyond our ability to comprehend um that simulation kind of does it no justice but um that would explain a lot of things a, a lot of where um where humans have gained this information on how to code and all of this um, that we have just borrowed this from, from our version that we exist in mm -hmm. and, and we have just created this next level. I don't want to say down, but this, this next dimensional level of a simulation within our own. Mm -hmm. So this may very well have happened in a higher dimensional plane. And that's where we exist is within, um, a higher dimensional planes, quote unquote mm -hmm. simulation. Um, so, and, and on that simulation note, um, you know, a, a lot of people will go, okay, if this is a simulation, is the sky just a projection? Is, is the moon just a projection? Um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to Crow Triple Seven's work. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I love that. Uh, but he goes into uh, something that I was blown away by was the lunar wave phenomenon yeah i actually listened to that <laughs> him talk about that about it's it's mind-blowing and he's not the only one that has caught this um you know he on has film. like yeah he has so many he has so much proof of it right and um maybe i spent a couple explain, of dollars sorry maybe yeah no worries um, so if if you have a chance go check out crow triple seven's work um 
or and his and, podcast. Uh, yeah, and his podcast. He's got tons of videos out mm -hmm. there. Um, one is called The Lunar Wave. Go take a look at this. It's very interesting. Um, it's very reminiscent if you were filming a TV screen and you know how you get this kind of rolling wave that kind mm -hmm. of happens through the screen as you're filming it. It's a product of, of the projection coming out of your TV combined mm -hmm. with the filming. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird kind of rolling nature of um, or if you have a VCR, like if you're old like me and have had a VCR, when you turn the tracking knob and it starts to roll, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's a very similar type of effect that we see on in the moon. And um, at first I thought about the moon as being like maybe a pure projection of some type or a mm -hmm. pure hologram. Um, but I don't think that that's, that's correct. I have since come to, to believe or feel that the moon itself um, may very well be a physical body, mm -hmm. but these phases that we see um, and this, this cycle that the moon goes through may be a projection onto that body. Mm -hmm. um, or from within it, maybe sometimes I think. Right, right. Like um, a luminary from within body. It or, and, and see, and looking into what, what leads me to believe this is looking into Vimanas and the subject of these flying cities. Um, and, and when you're looking in, when I'm looking into Vimanas. Is that like Indian folklore, sorry? Correct, yeah, yeah. through the Vedic texts, they mm -hmm. talk about these Vimanas. And um, one book I've referenced for that is Vimana by David Hatcher Childress. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there are tales in the Vedic texts of not only of these craft, but of the technology that is inherent with these craft, um, part of which is like a cloaking capability. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's crazy that these texts that are thousands of year, years old, supposedly, um, mention things like how to see within another ship from your own. Hmm. So it's referencing like some form Astral of projection. That or some form of a technology that, mm -hmm. that um, sees through matter to a certain extent. So uh, it helps me to think of, of, this simulation that we're in being a projection of a higher plane. Mm -hmm. um, so that helps me. It's kind of weird that that helps me. That's super confusing for most people. But but um, so so this moon may very well be a part of the reason that creatures have been mining this planet for extended periods of time may have mm -hmm. been to create this Vimana or this craft or this flying city. Um, that has these abilities like are stated in in David Hatcher Childress's work and other works relating to the capabilities of these craft to be able to cloak to be able to represent just a pure light like a star mm -hmm. um so I also have some some theories on what what we see as the planets may very well be that these mm -hmm. may actually be uh cloaked craft cra craft essentially yes um and <clears throat> so that's kind of wild and out there. But I, so my, my feeling uh, of, of the moon is that it may be a combination of a projection and a physical craft. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much speculation and debate surrounding the moon when it comes to, did we really land there? Um, did we not? Is it a plasma body? Like this scientist came on the NBC news back in the sixties and said, um, 
I gave a lot of credence to that uh, in the mm-hmm. very beginning. But then I was like, okay, these people that own media and allow this information to be out there, because at some point they do decide whether or not we're going to have access to this information mm-hmm. or these speculations. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so in, in knowing that, that there's almost always like a reason or a rhyme behind the stuff that we're told, I'm looking at it like, okay, are, are we as, yeah, and I, I kind of consider myself a flat earther in the sense that it appears to be flat from, from perspective, from a point mm-hmm. of view of us existing here. If you go out to, you know, the coastline of the Great Lakes, oftentimes you could see all the way across to Chicago or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And it's too far to see. It should be behind the curve. That much is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so so um, bringing into account the double slit experiment that has to do with quantum physics, mm-hmm. that when you observe a particle of light or you observe a wavelength of light, it becomes a particle. So it like manifests through your observation which is why this will always look flat to us. It will always look like a straight line to us. But if you step outside of that, that time bubble, um, <clears throat> then you would, then you would maybe see this realm as a sphere within this time bubble. That's, that's my thought on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the moon, I don't know if it's a field. base. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the bubble is kind of uh something that manifests because of this Taurus. Sorry, did you just say, I don't know if the moon is a base because <laughs> it's funny. I always say that to my husband and I call it the moon base and he gets so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, see, I'm kind of on the fence about that because it would make sense to me that if you were wanting a place of observation that you would have some form of a body in the sky and uh, recently, I found out that the moon is within our atmosphere. Even NASA says so. NASA says that there's a layer of hydrogen. This is how they put it, that, that reaches all the way out to the moon mm-hmm. and beyond. Mm-hmm. So like, the, okay. <laughs> they have admitted to us that this thing is in our atmosphere. So they're, they're kind of laughing at us as they feed us all of the information uh, that we need, along with so much that we don't that it's hard to weed through it all and they'll just slightly shift it as we learn things to like explain away everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> spot on 100 yeah. uh what's really floored me lately about the whole nasa and spacex thing is watching some of these videos of these spacex launches and these landings of these rockets there are some of them that are obviously to me cgi 100 cgi yeah um you know i grew up you know analyzing video games and movies and you know basically seeing and knowing what the difference between uh an actual you know analog footage of something versus a cgi image Mm -hmm. what that looks like the texture things like this they've gotten very good at creating extremely lifelike situations and and footage of things and but there are some recently that like a friend will show me, Hey, did you see this Falcon X rocket coming in landing? And there'll be like two of them and they come down and they land. And as they're landing, like something doesn't look right about the cloud that they kick up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time it's something as basic as the water, looking at mm-hmm. water in some of these images, looking at smoke, um, looking at things that are very difficult to replicate the tiny with, with a computer. Yes. 
And so seeing some of the, these films, quote unquote, of these rockets going and landing and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that a lot of what we're shown has any, 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 uh, any reality. reality to yeah. it. Yeah. It's just not. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I get a lot of crap for, for being so dismissive of, of these scientific, uh, discoveries and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has made me look into the, the subject of Vamanas and what these ancient craft were and how did they work? Um, and something that comes into play is called a mercury vortex engine. Mm-hmm. And this is supposedly the technology that was used by the Germans in World War II to create their Glocke, the, the bell um, oh, yeah. craft uh, and, and other. Which was uh, essentially like a flying saucer, was it not? Correct. Uh, may very well have even been like a time. Uh, oh, yeah. A time based uh, technology that, that was able to phase in and out um, and things like this that manipulated basically the gravity and, and the reality itself to move, um, mm-hmm. which is what these Vamanas did. They had mercury vortex engines within them that would um, change the resonance of the craft and allow it to, to levitate or to fly um, or to move about. That's so they, crazy because the pyramids have, didn't a lot of the pyramids have like big pools of mercury in them within them some of them yes uh uh, we see a lot of this in like in chinese um Mm -hmm. um uh complexes like these underground tombs supposedly cities were levitating at one time it's it's a good possibility um i i do like to to humor that thought and and that this this war that is spoken of in these vedic texts between all the sky peoples and stuff and these flying cities and things maybe it culminated in this destruction and these things then were forced to be landridden again. Um, it's a very good possibility. There's also a possibility in, in my mind that, that these, uh, some of these Vimana still exist to this day mm-hmm. and are, cloaked. I don't know, cloaked or, or resemble something like, venus the morning star Mm -hmm. or you know like like saturn um Mm -hmm. and and that there are life forms or existences or consciousness existing in a within our realm but in a different plane Mm -hmm. um in a different vibration and so they're kind of contained within this with their own toroidal field that is generated by these mercury vortex engines that power these these vimana and things like this so in so, like a different time bubble than us maybe or? possibly possibly um because once you start manipulating you know gravity and uh time is not far behind in, in my it's opinion crazy because michelle gibson i just listened to something where she said something about um how she thinks the philadelphia experiment they went back in time before they came back and that it started the time loop that she theorizes is going on Right, that that started in 1414. Yeah, yeah. And she says that like the very middle point, I guess, of her time loop theory would be the Philadelphia experiment. Correct. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, and, and I man, I really think that she's so spot on with, with all of her work, really. It's it's amazing. Um, I've read through her work several times and just find it amazing that that there are folks out there that have dedicated themselves to putting together this information that has been hidden from us for so long and Mm -hmm. 
like just all of the different points of reference you would have to reference in order to come to the conclusions that she has, or it's just astounding, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of effort that goes into that. So it's not to be taken lightly. And the volume know. of like just sheer research, like she's just like the volume is amazing. Like I've been listening to her for a long time and I barely taken a bite out of her information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's stellar stuff. I, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that, that she's out there doing the work that she is. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully I'll be able to get with her at some point when I can formulate <laughs> what exactly it is that mm-hmm. I want to to uh, ask her about and not just be like, too gushy, <laughs> you know, right? about, about loving everything that she's doing. Cause I really do. Um, I mean, her work ties into the politics of today and mm-hmm. everything, um, the, this dark nature of this control structure, how they have built things like racetracks and stuff on top of key energy points that were old world structures, mm-hmm. um, is amazing. Um, recently I found that, that I, I feel that there's a tie between Bigfoot and some of these paranormal happenings mm-hmm. that happen in these these outlying areas. Yeah, I feel what's that there's that? And I there's feel like, that there's a tie to is, to these energetic structures to some degree. Strange phenomenon like surrounding the Bigfoot um, anomalies too that are like like burn circles and orbs and just like strange disappearances. Four one one national yes. parks, <laughs> everything like it's all sort of connects to all the same like all the phenomenons are connected in a weird web and it's so interesting to try and just sort out how and why like (laughs) yeah it's quite it's quite the journey it's Mm -hmm. um man and and i man i i just love that there's so many of us kind of pursuing this it's Um, so cool it's it's amazing like a few years back I, I was like feeling so lonely me too. in, in my, in my like comprehension and understanding. Like the first thing that set me off was like seeing them spray the skies all the time. I mm-hmm. like to look at a blue sky, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably one of like the last people in my friend group to adopt having a cell phone all the time and be staring me at my too. palm of my hand. So, so I spent a lot of time looking at the clouds and stuff growing up and, you know, um, right around like, probably 2010, all of that changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if it, I, I do feel that it had to do with like the switch to digital happened in like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. when they're like, all right, no more analog people, we're going digital. Mm-hmm. And um, that was right about the time we saw the emergence of the IBM cloud, the Apple cloud, mm-hmm. um, all of this stuff kind of coincided and uh, what's kind of strange about that is like supposedly based on the Mayan calendar, that was the end of an age right about that time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so was that the end of the analog era, which possibly this old world infrastructure, this other computational means that used to exist here, um, that age was over. So now it's mm-hmm. like stepping into this new kind of weird transhuman technological digital environment mm-hmm. um and then we see the mat like wholesale spraying of the skies and, and you can be anywhere in the world um i think just about everywhere has some form of geoengineering mm-hmm. uh, in place going on and it's very much like mr burnsy you know like <laughs> they're just blocking out the sun mm-hmm. <laughs> and um so like lately, as far as the blocking out the sun thing goes, I think that it's kind of twofold. They're using it to 
create this medium in the air for data um, habitation and extraction, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like these clouds that they're talking about aren't just server farms somewhere. They are literally like nanoparticle clouds. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. and, and they are computing things and storing information within the atmosphere itself. And, um, and that's what the harp arrays are. And that's what all of this manipulation, it's twofold. They manipulate the weather and they also um, are using this, this suspension of nanoparticles to hold data to a certain mm -hmm. extent. And, and that these clouds are, are literally all around us. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so that's my thought on that. Uh, and it's kind of wild to, to think that way, but I do really feel that that's what's going on. It's not just weather manipulation. There's another, mm -hmm. another very key element to it that we're kind of like kept in the dark about. So do you think that there is natural clouds or do you think they're all, like, do you think that we would have weather as we know it if we weren't spraying? That's a great question. Um, lately, I, I feel like this weather manipulation is a necessary thing. Um, that perhaps whatever this cataclysm was that refaced the earth, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that changed it from being, um, you know, canals everywhere, a very kind of even, even plateau or an even plain with, you know, not so much mountains and valleys. I, I think that what we're told about like tectonics and everything is wrong. And then what we're told about weather, um, I do think it's been manipulated since at least any of us alive can recall. Mm -hmm. um, I think they've gotten better at storing data in, in the clouds, so to speak. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's why the, the nanoparticles and things like this, that's why they're not just using sulfur dioxide and um, and other elements to just seed the clouds mm -hmm. um, like they were going back to was it project Popeye I want to say Popeye mm -hmm. um, uh, but anyway um, yeah so back in World War II they were admitting to controlling the weather they've done things like in the Ho Chi Minh Trail um, cause it to rain torrentially mm -hmm. for extended periods of time mm -hmm. to flood everything <laughs> out so if they were already doing that with that kind of uh with that kind of like effective nature, um, then they may have been working on this for a very extended period of time. And maybe only, you know, well, around the times of the world wars, did they kind of perfect it again? Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that a lot of like the mud that is seen in World War One, this trench warfare, I think that these were, they were fighting uh a war for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think it was the remnants of this old civilization, Tartaria or, um, or the Golden Horde or um, the old United States of the world. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that there were still remnants that somehow survived this massive mm -hmm. cataclysm and they were dug in, mm -hmm. you know, they were wanting to keep their, their rightful lands and things like this and i think this is what the world wars uh, what all of the wars including the war of 1812 mm -hmm. even back to the civil war in america mm -hmm. um this civil war yes it was uh a battle uh, in a sense about slavery mm -hmm. but it was it was not the slavery as we we're told of you know african americans it was the slavery of the entire populace mm -hmm. um 
you know, uh, it was this, this rollout of this control system, what we're currently a part of. And, um, so, so yeah, I feel like all, all of these war, all, all wars that we know of and have information on are really just the decimation of this previous age. Mm -hmm. um, and installation of other programs and narratives and yeah, to see. Right, like, like the, the university system, those are mm -hmm. all in old world infrastructure. Mm -hmm. The um, asylums, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you didn't fall in line with the program, you were boom, just locked into an asylum. Mm -hmm. It didn't necessarily mean you were a crazy person, but you didn't follow the narrative that was being pitched by mm -hmm. these these robber barons and see they're really all about claiming those titles right mm -hmm. like robber baron where does that come from where does this concept come from well they're robbers and they're barons so they mm -hmm. consider themselves lords but they're also telling you that they have robbed all of this stuff yeah um freemasons the free masonry <laughs> so you know um and it's they do crazy often because i've been like looking at free like freemasons i was like from a conspiracy standpoint for so long but until you learn about mud flood and like <laughs> they like literally stole the infrastructure no they didn't build anything they're not builders like and it's pretty crazy to connect that freemason they just sat themselves in the chairs of the people that came before yeah, and they and they have no problem in telling us yeah all of this stuff um it's apparently like a mockery. It, it is it's a mockery but it's also part of um it's part of i guess the free will nature of this mm -hmm. realm um so in order for them to continue with this this behavior it's called like revelation of method or something correct or, yeah. exactly yes they they have to show us now there's nothing saying that they can't show us through a lens of quote-unquote fiction mm -hmm. um or which distortion, is I, so that we correct yeah. yes um it, it's so well executed and so well planned out and you know um yes it's it's insane um i mean yeah so so like kind of going back to uh like possibly planets being spaceships right mm -hmm. um if you if you look at uh all right so some think mars right mm -hmm. and, and they think all right it's is it an outer space in the sense that we're on a flat earth and it's the land outside? There are some mm -hmm. people that think that like outside of the wall, there's Terra Mara mm -hmm. and Terra Vista and mm -hmm. these other areas. Um, or is Mars um, like I'm kind of insinuating uh, or inferring uh, possibly like a Vimana craft mm -hmm. that, that actually, uh, you know, exists um with kind of an offshoot of, of reality. Um, now, see, I, I don't know, you know, I've never been to Mars, um, but there's like this crazy push that, yeah, we're going to inhabit Mars and Elon Musk is sending all these rockets to Mars um, and so on. Now, I, I don't know if he's sending these rockets through some kind of a portal to a different distant land of Mars, if it's just somewhere outside of here, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but there's definitely something, a reason why they're like gearing up everybody and have been for a long time to go to Mars. I mean, you look back at like total recall when mm -hmm. I was growing up, mm -hmm. we've got to get to Mars, mm -hmm. you know, like there's this, this subliminal predictive mm -hmm. programming kind of pushing us in this direction, like through my entire life, you know, Mars attacks, so on mm -hmm. and so forth. Like there's all this crazy stuff. 
And it's all pointing to there being some kind of an offshoot civilization that exists on Mars. And if you've ever looked at Ari Aslan's work, mm -hmm. um, I forget the name of his site offhand. Uh, but anyway, he, he talks about this Martian control system mm -hmm. being, uh, being the, the peoples that maybe caused this last cataclysm, mm -hmm. um, among other things. So there's a lot, a lot there in his information. I recommend anybody to go take a look at Ari Aslan's work. Um, on the Mars thing, I just want to tell you something interesting I found because I was looking at the old newspapers and I found something from 1904 or maybe it was 19 or 1894, somewhere around there. And it was like when Mars approached its closest part or its closest approach to Earth, I guess it does it every however, some point within 100 years, it comes closer, right? I don't know. Well, that's just what they thought in this paper. But so they're saying that they what they saw and what they were observing from Earth was signaling in like big lights and straight lines in triangles, canals that filled when the poles melted, that converged in points that were like big um, man-made lakes where they and they were like, and so they were estimating that like some of the canals were like 500 miles wide and stuff. And then so I was thinking like, what if it's way closer? And it's just like, they're just regular sized canals, but Mars is way closer than they're telling us. Or like, I don't know, it's a really interesting article, but yeah. Yeah, and see, they, there used to be information coming out in the papers about all sorts of things, Mars, um, giants, pyramids. a lot about giants, pyramids. Yeah. Um, Antiquities in America is is a, a an article, I forget what papers in, uh, the Raftsman's Journal. Um, in fact, um, so if people want to look that up, it's uh, it's a, a newspaper from the turn of the century talking about antiquities in America and how when they got here, they found old growth, like several hundred year old trees growing out of the ruins of these these structures, these pyramids, these mounds, these other just buried structures. Mm -hmm. So to me, that kind of infers that there was like a downtime. Mm -hmm. where nobody was nobody was up here nobody was running around playing snatch and grab like there was mm -hmm. time for these massive growth to happen after this last civilization fell um so, so that's like kind when you like kick the anthill and everyone comes running out and starts <laughs> <laughs> right right or if the anthill is frozen over right yeah, and, and yeah. it's like the box saga how we're how we were apparently stuck underground for 10,000 years that's mm -hmm. what the box saga uh, infers is that there's a period of about 10,000 years where humanity was stuck underground mm -hmm. um so you know the the timeline that we're handed has obviously been tampered with mm -hmm. um to what extent it's been tampered with I I don't know um, I don't know if perhaps at one point the, the time bubble was removed, some modifications happened down here, and then they boop, wrap it all back up within a neat like time a bubble again. Like a cosmic reset rather than like a material <laughs> reset, yeah. R right, right. Like, you know, in, in order for, you know, manipulation to happen on this plane from these uh, otherworldly uh, kind mm -hmm. of powers, these 5D powers um, that they, they had to- set the stage. You're right. They got to pull that time bubble back. Boom. Set the stage. Put everybody mm -hmm. here. I think that's part of the reason why we're called human beings. Mm -hmm. I think it's a throwback to the word homunculus. And um, 
and that that basically we were crafted to inhabit uh, once again uh, a realm that was previously uninhabitable due to whatever chaotic wars or things like this so um and this might irritate a lot of people that are that are into kind of like the bible side <laughs> of the story and things like this but um in all of our tales of 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 creation uh, not all of ours but in some sumerian for example you have this these lesser gods the anunnaki mm-hmm. who, the half who, gods or whatever. who physically yeah who actually crafted humanity Titans for a certain too, purpose i think are half right are titans half gods yeah titans were were like the offspring so they were like demigods so they're the offspring of the gods Mm -hmm. and so like what all that entails i can't pretend to know there's so Mm -hmm. much more to it right it's more questions (laughs) yeah absolutely it's always more questions but i love it i have not been bored like a single day since i started looking into this and it it, you know to be quite honest it did start with realizing well wow you can see too far <laughs> mm-hmm. to, for it to mm-hmm. be curved, like they say. And if you look at like pilots' manuals, they mm-hmm. always refer to the Earth as being a plane, mm-hmm. right? That's why mm-hmm. it's called an airplane. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so that's crazy. And then like you look at the psyop with the Hindenburg um, exploding. Oh, the humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't show the fire starting; they just show it falling from the mm-hmm. sky. And so they use that to scar people into not wanting to be a part of this Zeppelin mm-hmm. movement. They were trying that, to move out the steampunk era. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And and roll in their control mm-hmm. system of big oil and, and you know, mm-hmm. rob everything. So so I, I think that when when we were put back into this time loop or bubble mm-hmm. um, as as humans, as we know us now, um, there was some time where like everyone was scrambling to grab up what they could. And then like to a certain extent that happened. And then you have the formation of things like the East India Trading Company. Um, the Hudson the Bay Brit- Company. Right, right. The, the whole British hierarchical mm-hmm. kind of structure that, that exists to companies this out over the new world and then. It's funny, right? That yeah, but see company. that all that all started somewhere, and I, I'm of the mind that that what we're told about pirates in the sea was only part of the story. That the pirating uh, was a big part of the air. Mm-hmm. That that these ships, most of them, were not ocean going vessels, but were airworthy vehicles. Mm. That instead of having a mast with a sail on it, possibly had a balloon that would. Mm-hmm. carry them through the air that would make more sense to me um just you know to my soul anyway mm-hmm. uh, but i i think that a lot of the piracy that we hear about these famous pirates like you know um i don't know black bart and you know blackbeard mm-hmm. and all these mm-hmm. i think that these are references that are, are have like minimalized their roles Mm-hmm. And put them into like, oh, they're just an ocean going thing that sailed around in the ocean. Um, I personally, I feel that these pirates or this era of piratism um, was more than likely an airborne, very steampunk kind of time where, um, you know, we, we came and we were borrowing or inheriting a lot of this technology and these things that were here. Mm-hmm. Um and that were more often than not just massive in scale. Like the Titanic may have been a remnant 
of this previous time. Um, if you see the scale of the interior of the Titanic, mm -hmm. it's just mind-blowingly huge, right? Mm -hmm. Even more massive than current day cruise ships and things. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's mind-blowing in itself. Not to mention that the people that passed away in this maiden voyage um, were the people that were in direct conflict with the World Bank as we know it today. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so, you know, that's just kind of like mind-blowing. to sink her and the people in her. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason why, um, uh, what's his name, J.P. Morgan didn't make it on that, yeah. <laughs> on that boat, you know? He was here to implement the Federal Reserve immediately thereafter, like yeah. the very following year. So it's it's crazy. And like, once you look down one rabbit hole, whether it's Flat Earth or Tartaria, like it just inherently like leads all these different directions it leads to the plasma moon theory and you know is mars an actual planet or another thought that i had about the stars and mars and like lights in the sky is that these are like when you look at a star and you see it twinkling it has a very cymatic kind of nature to it the same mm -hmm. way if you put water onto a speaker mm -hmm. shine light mm -hmm. on it and and play a note yeah it'll have you, a pattern when you like zoom into a star it will tend to make like a wobbly pattern like a ripply yeah, yeah yeah it's not round at all um now the planets are a little different which is why i think maybe these might be cloaked vimana mm -hmm. um <laughs> you know and it's it's crazy to say this stuff out loud um but like i really mean it like there's mm -hmm. so much more to this than we're told and um you know after looking at the demonization of mercury but also that Mercury is referred to as the messenger mm -hmm. um, and things like this. I, I often wonder if the stars themselves aren't keys, vibratory keys to a different land or to a different place or like time a portal space. or something. Right. Or like it's showing us the frequency that oh, to if, get we had, if we had the technology or something, we would tune into this star's frequency and then somehow we could create a gate to that place. Um, I don't know what that looks like or you know what I mean how that would actually work maybe it has something very similar to do with things like CERN um and you know maybe it'll take a massive amount of power to open like these stargates mm -hmm. but um I do I think that there maybe is something to that to mm -hmm. um these being like frequency keys to these other other realms and other lands and but through these portals that we see as stars um they on the other side are able to view us as well so that's what they so, were saying in that article from mars they're like yeah they probably can zoom right in on us and they can see what um just like what a trippy thing to say in the 1800s <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were so open-minded back then yeah it's, it's because they weren't snuffed out so bad as we are now you know mm. um but it's it's so amazing to to see you know folks like yourself like picking up the reins and, and going full bore into all of this madness because like the more of us get into this and try to figure out ultimately the closer we'll be and like this this awakening that i'm fortunate enough to be a part of and see happen is is a beautiful thing and i think it's like i think it's our next big step in the right direction um Part of it is like, I hate to say it, but you got to ignore mass media. Mm -hmm. You've, you've got to just like, for me, it was all right. Stop listening to public radio and all their fear mongering. Cause mm -hmm. I, for a while there, I really like to listen to what the headlines are. Like what mm -hmm. is the news being spewed at the world? Um, 
but then like I noticed that it it starts to get a hold of me like I start then giving too much of my time and my energy to thinking about mm-hmm. the the quote-unquote war or the freedom convoy or this and that while I appreciate the good-hearted folks that are in all of these situations mm-hmm. um, the way that our attention is being pulled and manipulated into things like the scamdemic and so on mm-hmm. like uh, it, it distracts me from having these very interesting thought processes and mm-hmm. very like very deep um, and very like important to my personal truth kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, this is distracting from the real work of like collective remembering and healing yes. our inner selves. Like, yeah. So anything I find that like pulls me away from that rather than into it, I can see that is like part of the the fake veil sort of, you know what I mean? Like if it's pulling me to distract me from self, inner work and like um, connecting all the mysteries of the collective, then yeah, that's my way. I kind of discern what's real and what's not. Spot on. Or, or if it starts to, if something makes you feel like a hesitancy or... Mm-hmm. Or like, like um, that little voice that says something doesn't seem right. Always listen to that. It's so yeah. informative. Like, yeah, I, I get one pretty often. That's it's uh, there's more to it than meets the eye. I get that mm. one a lot. Um, in just about everything that I look into, there's that small voice that says there's more to it than this. Mm-hmm. Keep looking. Keep looking. Like, don't mm-hmm. ever stop exploring. Never stop looking. And, <laughs> and don't don't disregard things just because they either don't fit with your current understanding or because they're they're too out there or or because they're too simple right um sometimes some some key truths are in the simplest like kind of places and things Mm -hmm. right yeah um like for example dinosaurs like we know there's giant lizards they've told us that Mm -hmm. so so maybe that that piece of truth we can build on it's um, funny some when people, you like just say to people, I know that, or I think maybe there was just giant lizards. They think you're crazy, but like, isn't that what a fucking dinosaur is? Like, right, right. Yeah, or they the think it's even here? crazier when you say that you think that they were dragons, Yeah, you know, and, and right? that these things were, were real. Why um, couldn't they be? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, look at all the stories handed down about dragons. But and, nothing about dinosaurs until like when, like, when was it like? 1830 or something or yeah, it? yeah part of that smithsonian movement yeah yeah absolutely so much about dragons before that nothing about dinosaurs exactly yes and uh you know there are some folks that that are of the mind that dragons are uh not just material like beings to some extent but mm-hmm. they're also ethereal oh and yeah that, and that perhaps um like um like there's a reference to a great a great uh leviathan in uh in folklore from the middle east from sumerian folklore mm-hmm. that that this leviathan was slain by these demigods and they created the world as we know it out of the remains of this great dragon mm-hmm. and what's what's interesting about that is if you look at michelle gibson's work she talks about the um kundalini dragons of the world that run through these ley lines and things. Mm-hmm. One is one is the feathered serpent mm-hmm. and the other is the rainbow serpent. Mm-hmm. And they weave 
very similarly to the way a DNA strand weaves in and mm. out of each other all around the world, right? In a, mm. in a circle. And mm. along these, these ley lines is where these temples and these different structures, the pyramids being one of them, mm-hmm. um, places like, like Chichen Itza and um, all these other places, um, Salt Lake City, Utah is like right along there. Even just you know, seemingly these, boring cities, you wouldn't Right, think. right. Yeah, they look just Canada like nothing to us, yeah. but they lay on top of these great serpents of, mm. of the world, these Kundalini kind of lines if you've ever looked into the Gaia channel and mm-hmm. seen um there's a guy by the name of Matias de Stefano who uh is going he's gone around the world and and has supposedly opened up some of these portals in all of these places um basically asking I don't know the heavens or mm-hmm. other otherworldly entities to you know allow love and hope to flow into this world once more because it has been denied by the destruction of these these old structures um mm-hmm. so that's mind-blowing in itself and there's so much uh mm-hmm. to draw from it really does become a, a point of like discernment mm-hmm. and how does that apply to like the current topic at hand um it's oftentimes so overwhelming Mm-hmm. Um, to just even think into one of these areas, you know, whether it be Mars or uh, mud flood or I mean anything, it, it can be so daunting and overwhelming that I think it's super important that just conversations like the one we're having now happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, my pieces I share with you, um, you will uh, in you know inevitably come to other conclusions about other things mm-hmm. that that I'm stoked to to find out about because. We all have that different perspective, right? Like mm-hmm. from where we're sitting, things look slightly different than than where another person sits. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's super important to not take any one thing and run too hard with it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like um, for a while, I was pretty black pilled about like, well, shit. If we're on a flat Earth and everything's alive, then then we're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon my language, right? but yeah, no. but we're you know what I mean. We're mm-hmm. we're doomed. I mean, mm-hmm. they've implemented it this far. At, I do think that's like important stage of awakening to like have a doom period. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sort of like when you're healing, you're doing your shadow work and you have those like dark periods, but it comes with like such a revolution of everything after. And like, there's so much to build on after once you come through it. But yeah, we could probably go on for like hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> oh yeah, no but worries. We'll, we we'll get together like, another yeah, time. But I, I dude, should. I'm so stoked to to have been on and have this conversation with we you. Thank you so much. We should definitely like uh, just take some time away and then come back after we have some new theories and bring it together again. For, I feel like for we sure. Just yeah, we well we opened right up now. a lot of cans of worms yeah. for folks, <laughs> and oh, if this convinces one person to just look into any of this then Question like my reality, job's done that's it yeah yeah <laughs> spot mm. on <laughs> so do you want to tell people where they can find you and stuff so absolutely that, yeah. um yeah my, my name's randy i'm of red thread podcast uh, you can find that in most podcast markets or what have mm-hmm. you um Are you on apple on, now not on apple currently uh i'll get, get there at some there, point yeah, yeah the wizards the yeah. wizards over at apple <laughs> told me i needed an apple computer to be a part oh. of the club 
I'm, so, yeah, I took a little time. It took me a little time to get in that club, but yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not using like I don't use Anchor, so I don't have that oh, yeah. direct link to do that. Oh, to, yeah, um, I'm on the fence too, about yeah. that. Um, yeah, I kind of like the system I have. You, right? <laughs> yeah, who That's knows? I, I, I don't know, but but I just you know I still like to if I can fight the man a little bit. Mm, I guess yeah. I don't know. It's a yeah. futile effort, but. <laughs> But um, so we so I'm on. Battles where we yeah, yeah, you can find my site. Um, you can find my site over at Podbean, uh, Red Thread mm-hmm. Podcast. Um, I have an Odyssey. It's real small. I haven't really put too much video and stuff on that yet. I'll be working on that soon. Mm-hmm. It's also at Red Thread Podcast. And if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, I'm um, I'm open for suggestions, um, perspectives. I'm always looking to speak with with anybody and everybody to kind of gain insight on what another's perspective might be so if you have a perspective you'd like to share uh, whether you'd like to come on or just you know email me something you'd like me to to go over in an episode that's awesome you can find uh you can send me an email it's uh r-a-n-d-o-m-f-r-a-c-t-s at gmail.com so shoot me an email we'll uh get in contact um again, perspective is super, super important to me. And everybody that every new person I speak with, um, regardless of what they're bringing to the table, I leave knowing more about myself. Mm -hmm. So that's like super important and awesome. And thank you again so much for having me on and reaching out to me. It's, it's been an amazing conversation and a wonderful evening. Well, I'm like so thankful you came on. I had such a great time tonight, just like <laughs> chatting about all this stuff. Like, it's like all the my weirdest thoughts, and someone is kind of like um, validating them for me. So yeah, really isn't nice. that an amazing yeah. feeling when yeah. you get that that out outward validation? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And I'm glad to have been a part of it. Thank and, you so much. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back, Randy. Thanks for being on. Bye. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Welcome to the strange world.